I've got a tiger by the tail that's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. Well, I thought the day I met you, you were meek as a lamb. Just the kind that fit my dreams and plans. Now the pace we're living takes the wind from my sails. And it looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. I've got a Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And we are so happy to have all of you with us. Barry, we have a whole bunch of uh, new, what? New, uh, patrons. New patrons, yes, we do. Yeah, we'd like to welcome, real quick, we'd like to welcome Mr. Bob Fay, uh, Kurt Wargo, uh, and also a couple of patrons, Chris White and Mr. Steve Michener, up there uh, patron uh, amount a little bit. So excellent. you can do that too. Yeah, excellent. So um, Barry, what is this whole Patreon? What is this Patreon thing? What is it? Well, it's a way for you to support That Record Got Me High and you can do that. Uh, it's on a monthly basis. It's uh, very reasonable and you can uh, sign up by going to patreon.com forward slash T-R-G-M-H. All right. Thanks, Barry. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you clearing that up for me because I was confused. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, not, uh, let's not beat around the bush. We have a guest tonight uh, all the way from St. Paul, Minnesota, right? That's that where you are? Now, is it just St. Paul or is it, mini- it, it, is it always... Minneapolis, St. Paul, or is it? Well, can, can you just say St. Paul? You can just say St. Paul. They're they're two adjacent cities, but they're their own boundaries. So people usually either say Twin Cities or St. <laughs> Paul, or if you're specifically one of them, you can just say one of them. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. So uh, this is Mr. Ryan Smith. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Uh, you people may know him from the Melismatics. Uh, most recently. Ryan in uh, a pony, uh, and also plays lead guitar in uh, Soul Asylum. And if Soul Asylum, and if we ever do co- if concerts again, people could play out again. You'll be uh, out on the road with the Soul Asylum, sure, I assume, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We are talking about getting back on the road. You know, within uh, reason and uh, taking in full precautions for safety and everything. Wow. So, right. Yeah, I see it. I, I see. I hear rumblings of it. I see like announcements of like, you know, of some tours, tentative things, you know, still later in the year. But it uh, looks like, you know, looks like it all may happen. Well, it will eventually it'll happen. We'll get back. It, to exactly. We got we so will. used to 
seeing shows get booked and then they'd be canceled and rescheduled right. like times. So we're all a little skeptical um, and slightly jaded. But when we look at the calendar and there's shows that are actually supposed to happen, I mean, it seems like maybe this time they truly will actually happen. Right. So, right. <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's yeah. be positive. All right. Well, that's not what we're here to talk about that note. Me and, I know I'm excited and I, I know Barry's excited too for the record we're going to talk about. What is the record that you brought to us? I wanted to talk about Zen Arcade, the uh, double album from Husker Du. Yes. Now, no, not their are you o- from- it's not their only double album, but it is the first double album. Yes. Yes. And it was theirs. They did theirs before uh, Minutemen did uh, yep. a Double Nickels on a Dime, right? That's right. Yeah. They sort of goaded them. Uh, uh, Minutemen said, oh, well, uh, we can do that, too. <laughs> and yeah. we'll do a double record. So, Ryan, are, are you from that area? Like, the, the, who's going to do, uh, must be like gods to you, right? Yeah. So, you know, being from the Twin Cities and specifically St. Paul, Husker Du was a St. Paul band, um, and they have been legendary uh, to anyone in the music community here growing up in the Twin Cities. They're, yeah, they're gods, basically. You know, you, you, right. always, you had Husker Du, you had The Replacements, and Soul Asylum were kind of the the three um, when, uh, when I was coming of age and getting into music those are the people you looked up to. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So I'll ask the uh, question. What, what, what year did you graduate high school? If you graduated high school, 1995. So a long time ago, but for example, soul Asylum was already like, that's when they were, you know, had, uh, let your dim light shine came out that year. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. No, you are younger than me and Barry. You are uh, considerably younger than us. So, yeah. so you, so you, um, like when you got into Husker Du, were they still around even? Were they still a uh, band? So Husker Du, you know, number one, I knew because obviously of the local legend and they were far uh, well into like, you know, legendary status by the time I was really into them. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, there's also a family connection with Grant Hart. And there was, uh, so I've been hearing about, you know, uh, Husker Du forever. Like basically... I've been hearing about those guys like since I can remember hearing about anything. So I always knew about them, and Husker Du, you know, quickly became one of my very favorite bands. And I literally checked them out because my cousins were like, "Oh, you know, you gotta check out this band." And um, I think the first one I actually got was Warehouse Songs and Stories, which is a weird way to be introduced to that yeah. band. Yeah, <laughs> like the end and those are great songs it's just not representative of of the band you know yeah not and, really no but right. but my second uh album i got from husker du i mean i really got into that but i you know but then once i heard zen arcade i was like oh i get this and it completely blew my mind um and then i just became an a, a complete you know freak as far as it goes from husker du kids that you know around me at that time knew like i was just like i'd play husker du really loud all the time and uh yeah so 
they were known, you know, in everybody in the Twin Cities. They were just that's just like one of the bands that you that you were yeah. uh, almost required to be aware of, and, sure. and uh, <laughs> they resonated with me. So I really, really got into it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I first heard them on the. Um, they must have played it at clubs. They must have played, um, or somebody was playing it at hardcore shows or something. They were playing. Uh, um, Everything falls apart. That song "Punch Drunk" was really a popular oh, yeah. one on the uh, sound system, and so that kind of stuck in my head. And I went and I bought that. Then I walked into Record City one day, and um, my friend Scott Roberts, who I'd been in a band with, but who's very much a sort of a, a, a jangle pop and twelve-string uh, guitar and lighter tones kind of guy, was said, "Listen to this and, and tell me who this is." And so he put it on, and uh, um, I was like, I have no idea. And he goes, it's Husker Du. It was never talking to you again. And I said, how's the rest of it? And he goes, well, it's it's hardcore, but it's it's actually it's really good. It's really melodic and good. So I guess I probably bought Zen Arcade that day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was much more of a fanatic after that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I can't, I was trying to remember exactly the first, uh, Husker 2 that I, uh, that I heard and got, and I don't know, I, I was thinking Metal Circus, because I think, I, I know I definitely owned Metal Circus, and I remember, uh, Zen Arcade was one of these ones, you know, when you have friends, like, one of your friends will buy it, and it's like, it's, you know, it's a, a double record, it probably wasn't that much, but if someone already has it, you know, you'll yeah, get right. it, you'll tape it from them, yeah. and there's no need to buy it, so I don't think yeah. I ever owned it. But yeah, I just remember just going through it now and re-listening, I realized, obviously, you know, listen to this, like, it feels like hundreds of times. And it's just, even yeah. though it's a double record, you sort of, it, it, and, and, and it's also a, a, a concept record, which I, which I, I knew, but I never realized how, you know, linear it is with the, the concept that it is and and that was also they were yeah they, originally they were a hardcore band but they were so much more than that and they they just expanded the whole thing so much more the whole genre while still being like loud and incredibly ferocious and angry sounding at times there was also this beauty in there this melodic beauty right oh yeah and and this album like he brought up the concept part of this record and it it's kind of like I, I i always thought of it as the punk rock answer to the wall because it's kind of got a similar concept as far as it's following this you know from the way i interpret it it's like yeah it's life of this person it seems like it's semi-autobiographical but it's not fully you know it's like about this character that's very similar to all their lives and what yeah. they experience right like going through Starting with like their childhood with broken home, broken heart, going into their starting a band and going out there and like going home with, uh, you know, the, the biggest lie. Like right, that's like, right. You know Back to your day job. You go through the, the rise and fall and, the, you know, the betrayals and, and it just all goes through the, the cycle of someone, you know, with like a troubled past going into music and going out there and having all these kind of uh you know challenges that they deal with and it, it's a lot like the wall i mean in the in the sense that it's like following this 
this person's life. That's good. I didn't think of that because I've heard it compared to uh, a quadrophenia. Like people say, oh, it's a hardcore quadrophenia, but the wall is good too. Yeah, definitely. So you, um, you mentioned that there was a family connection with uh, with Grant Hart. If you, uh, somebody in your family, you know, was he a family member or, or was... Well, a- there was, you know, it, it's a little... Uh, it's a little hazy, but so Grant ended up becoming a good friend of mine as well. Right? So um, once I got to be about 17, we became friends and I actually played guitar for him and stuff after, you know, okay, cool. oh, nice. different times through the years. I did some recording with him and, and that kind of thing. But um, what it is, I, I, this is the part that's a little hazy. It's like, I believe it's like there's a cousin connection, um, like either a cousin of a cousin or there's like, but you know, that's the part I can't quite remember, but that was <laughs> okay. how, yeah. like, but you were St. Paul people. You're all St. Paul people. Well, so. that, there's a little bit of that kind of thing where everybody's like, kind of got some connection in that regard. Right, right. It was like, so my cousins like grew up, um, my older cousins actually, when they were like super young would be at some Husker do rehearsals. Like they would be, literally like hanging out i think it was i'm trying to remember where they were rehearsing maybe it was like at a record shop or something that sounds right yeah they i yeah. think that's where they met right they both yeah, work in at a record store at, yeah they all worked at boy you know because like grant like there was literally a day where grant hart took me when i when we were kind of early friends like he took me on a tour like in his car he had he had all these old uh vintage cars that he'd restore and oh yeah and yeah, yeah. We, we drove around and he was like showing me everywhere he's like yeah this is where you know this is where i met bob this is where you know this is the record store that i worked at and uh i think yeah i just can't remember those record stores are gone you yeah. know but I, one was like northern lights maybe and right one, like, um, that sounds right. I, I mean, that sounds like yeah. the story I remember hearing was. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I think they all worked in record stores, basically. And Bob had moved to the Twin Cities to go to college at McAllister, and uh, Grant was from South St. Paul and uh, had a job at a record store and I think a liquor store and and uh, yeah. Anyway. So they uh, again, just as a, one thing reading about it that I, I never really knew was that they recorded this uh, the whole record really quick, like in one basically one 40 hour session. And most all the songs are like first, first takes, takes yeah. which is uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, well, there's yeah. also a story that they used to tell way back in the day when it first came out about staying awake for two weeks, taking LSD and writing the record and. I don't see as many mentions of that these days, and I don't know whether that was just some bullshit that they concocted because it sounded good or um, because it certainly doesn't sound like a record that is the result of a two-week LSD It it doesn't. No, I think they probably, because there are some psychedelic things in it, maybe they thought that would sound cool to say that, you know? And plus, like, I literally just heard um, Bob Mould, like, randomly on an interview, someone popped up, today i think on i don't know if it was youtube or something but he was saying uh they they always and i knew this before this today but it just reminded me that they always played the songs for the next record on the tour for the previous right. record so like yes yes, so yes. They, they were probably already playing all they the were songs. ready to record it you know you go in the studio and you're hot and you're ready to go so yeah i mean so yeah i think that probably was like a, a you know hype 
yeah. story. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But and yeah. he uh, and his guitar playing as a guitar player. Uh, well, you got we're, we're all guitar players. Um, just it was it, it was like he would play he would he would play through a Marshall and, he, and he'd be super loud and distorted, but he would still play these open ringing chords. He wouldn't play yeah. bar chords really, right? And and that's the that's the thing that made it different, kind of different than the other hardcore bands. Like yeah. Yeah, he was really, like, that influenced me a, a lot as a guitar player. Like, he'd use drone strings right. because they were EPs. So instead of just, like, you know, prior to that, a lot of bands would do, like, if, if they were a three-piece, the bottom just drops out, the bass is holding right, it down. But right, right, right. up there going, like, weedly-wee really high up there, and you lose a lot of the, the you know, the... I don't know the you know the meat of the song, and right. and Bob is really good at keeping drone strings moving yeah. and weaving in and out of that. So yeah, yeah. he was, you know, kind of de- he was a progenitor of that kind of guitar playing. I mean, I'm sure other people. Well, they were, were famously, um, at least Bob and Grant, I think, were famously big fans of um, Mission of Burma, and so yeah. um, they picked up a lot of tips from you know. Uh, from uh, Roger and right, uh, same uh, thing Clint. Roger Miller would do. He would play those, yeah, those right. open the strings, the droning, space, yeah. right? Yeah, just and make this, this is wall to me, this is the best sounding Husker Du record. Like, after this, um, things start to change, and by the time they're by the time as the records progress, you the personality conflicts start to have an effect on the sound. I've, I've harped on this a bunch of times, but. When you put this record on, I have you know I got no complaints. Drums sound like drums. Bob's guitar sounds like uh, you know sounds it's 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 harsh, but it's not overly harsh. And you can hear Greg's bass playing. But over time, if you put on take go from here and go to what's the one Candy Apple Gray, you're gonna be like, what in the fuck happened to their production? Yeah. Um, like, and I think that's I'm gonna put that on Bob because. Bob gets louder and everybody else gets quieter and sounds worse as the records progress. And so I think Bob was, you know, asserting control and also having a battle with Grant. That's for sure. I also know, I can't remember who it was, but I know a person in the Twin Cities who obviously must work in a studio or something, but so I can't remember the source, but it was a firsthand source. They they happened to walk into the studio when they were making Candy Apple Gray because that was at yeah. Nicholas, um, and they uh, they just they, they said they walked in and they said like everybody was kind of gacked out of their mind. Yep. And and they were listening to the mix, and the drums sounded like hitting it like the snare sound like hitting a piece of paper. Yep. <laughs> and, and and they said uh, perfect. <laughs> this person who I talked to who was there said he asked. Who did he ask? I don't know, an engineer or something. He said, "Yeah, why?" He said, "Why? Why does it sound like that? Why does it sound so thin?" And, and then the guy looked at him. He said, "This is how they want it. <laughs> they want it. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. something oh, uh, something was askew thing. there because if you think about those records and you think about how they would sound with better sounds, better drum sounds, and better guitar sounds, and a better mix." You know, they would be so much, so much more powerful, um, like Zen Arcade is, but they aren't and they don't. They just sort of, you know, they sound weird and odd and wimpy. By the time you get, <laughs> time you get to Warehouse, you're like, it's 
I, I can't even. I've never listened to that record all the way through. I just go, you know. <laughs> it's got great songs. As, as our break. as it our patron um, Dan uh, Bonebreaker tests, it's his favorite Who's yeah, Who record, it's, and it's it got its, some great it has songs. Its adherence, on. but man, you put that on and then put on Zen Arcade, and you're like, okay, you know, it's a you know, there's no contest. It's like this is when. This is when things weren't all fucked up with them interpersonally, I don't think. I think you're right. They were not. This is like when they were all for one and one for all. Yep. And they were and just like a hot shit band. Although I, I will also, before we get, we got to start listening to these songs already. But before we get, this was this was the first one. And I think all subsequent Who's Could Do records after where they did individual songwriting credits at Bob's. Yeah, that's in the Wikipedia entry about the record. Which, uh, which you know, as we know, is the kiss of source death of, for source bands. Of, yeah, source yeah. of continuous because, like, you know, one if Grant comes up with one thing for a song and then he doesn't get a songwriting uh, credit right. on it, well, maybe, and, that was, uh, maybe that was the hook, you know? And and, and poor uh, Greg Norton only gets jack the, shit. No, he got nothing. Instrumentals. Well, he gets the instrumentals. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> he gets nothing. the instrumentals. That's it. Right. All right. So let's, uh, let's get in. We're not going to – there's so many songs in this record, and it's so great. But what, we could talk about it all, but we'll play uh, just the ones that um, that Ryan picked out. Uh, but the first three songs, obviously, you have to because this the record starts with, like, actually the first four songs, just like bam, 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 bam. So let's listen to the first song, Something I Learned Today. Right away, and uh, right from the start, also in in listening to this again and revisiting it all, Grant Hart was such a hippie in some ways. He seemed like such a hippie. He played barefoot. He had long hair. But you forget what a fierce drummer he was. You know, yeah. I mean, he was just amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like us. It's just, you know, they were so great on and this and. Uh, uh, um, um, what's the next record? Uh, New Day Rising. New Day Rising. Uh, New Day Rising, yeah. Um, and then something happens. And you said, <laughs> I think, Ryan, I, I quote, they were all gacked out. And I'm not sure yeah. what uh, <laughs> what substance that refers to. But, um, yeah, uh, something something goes awry after that. And um, their potential, you know, song-wise, there's great songs on those records. Um but uh, the rest of it, you know, is a mess. And it's odd that a, a major label would hear was the last one before um, we did the um, we did that record. 
Flip your wig. Flip your wig before they went I on the major. I love that record. Right, but it's already you're already there sonically um, with the weirdness, and you wonder what a major label heard and was like, oh, we can make a, you know, these guys. We'll get some hits out of these guys. Because um, they were the first ones. They were the first ones to sign with the major uh, of any of the American alternative bands um, of note. And there was some, I remember... Hearing some carping by, I think it was Sonic Youth, and, and this has been this is thirty year old carping about you know <clears throat> going to Bob Mold's office at Warner Brothers or something, and you know it was it was it was they were looked upon with a a scance at that point when they signed to the major for sure. Well, that's a shame. It, it was not. It was like not that. perceived. <laughs> it, I can, it was not perceived as a positive in the you know. Underground music community at the time, for sure, it was definitely like, oh, um, right, deal with the devil. And, and then the rest of them all signed to major labels just a they few sure, years. They like, did, yes, uh, of, course. of course, yes, they did, of course, right. Not all of them, but obviously, like Sonic Youth did, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dinosaur. Yeah. What did? What did? What did Dinosaur? Did they ever? Yeah, they were. They, they, they had some majors, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so Ryan, you're hearing this, you're like a kid, you're like the kid maybe in it. So did, did you relate, like, could you relate to the lyrics and everything? Big time. Oh, right? like it, it, listen to this album. I mean, there's so much depth in the album. So there's yeah. so many things that you can relate to on it. But, you know, from like something, the song we just listened to, something I learned today. I mean, those lyrics, I mean, it's like black and white is always gray staring through the window pane you know i mean just like there's there's yeah. so many that, that you can relate to and then when you get into some of the harder core stuff like mm -hmm. um like pride or yeah. oh man pride is a, pride is brutal yeah 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 and i mean i remember being like when you're a teenager and you're upset about something or frustrated i mean there's just nothing that is more um you know, liberating and just cranking that up and yeah. letting it out, you know, with, with, the, with the album. But there's like so much, like I said, depth though. Cause like not, that's just part of it. Like there's. Right. There, there is. And, and you could tell, and, yeah, you could tell Bob went through all that and he never got over all that. <laughs> that's what I feel like. Right. Uh, right. Right. All right. So let's listen to the second one. It just gets, so this is the, this is him. Um, you know, the, the kid, obviously he's got a bad, home life and uh and uh you know his parents are fighting and and it's it, like you said it's like th there's a depth to it you know it's deep uh and you don't have to dig deep in this next song for the lyrics because it's like they're like right there tells yeah. you right there what's going on let's listen to a broken home a broken heart Deep inside, how you gonna cry yourself to sleep tonight? 
So, yeah, like I said, the lyrics, I look at your house, I wonder what goes on inside when you have to cry yourself to sleep tonight, your parents bite, you don't know who's wrong or right, have to cry yourself to sleep tonight. I mean, it's all right there, right? Yeah, it's, there. Either, it's either Bob or somebody Bob knows, but it's probably Bob. It, I think it's I think it's like one of those things where they're writing about, again, it's like semi-autobiographical, but they're writing about someone else because it's easier to probably deal with that stuff when you're singing about a different person. Yeah, that's third not party, open. sure. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Their personal experience, yeah. And I was thinking, just reading the lyrics, this is like emo. It, it, it's like emo, except yeah. the, the music, and especially Bob's vocals, like like emo has this like triumphant uh, condemning it, but Bob, the way they do it, it, he just digs into the desperation of it all, you know? Yeah. And it just sounds so, uh, it sounds so much more real and dark. Well, I think yeah. it, I, I think it is. I mean, I think yeah. this record. I mean, I, I don't. You know, not to do to you know smear emo, but this record definitely was so meaningful to so many people because it, it does have that authenticity uh, that that sort of like recognize that this guy's not fucking around and he's not just some pop singer. That he's you know it's uh, uh, there. What was this? There's another song on. Um, uh, uh, from the gut, right? From uh, on, on uh, uh, the record before this, um, everything falls apart. Part, yeah, yeah. It's definitely from the gut, you know. He's like pulling it up, and it's 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 real. Yep. And now uh, Grant. Grant gets a turn, and uh, and it's how awesome is it the, the the that the drummer the first song is just like a strummed acoustic song. And, uh, you know, I always thought of this as just like a, a kiss-off, like a brutal kiss-off song. Um, well, let's listen to it a little bit. Let's listen to Never Talking to You Again. There are things that I'd like to say, but I'm never talking to you again. There's things I'd like to pray somewhere, but I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you. I'm tired of wasting all my time trying to talk to you. I put you down where you belong, but I'm never talking to you again. I show you everywhere you're wrong, but I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you. I'm tired of wasting all my time trying to talk to you. Talking to So have, have either of you guys ever thought, uh, it, it seems like it's just, a, a, you know, a, a, someone did him wrong, he's never talking to him again, but could, I was thinking it could be taken as someone who died, like a, a, a friend who died, and it's like, 
you can never talk to you again. You know, I'm never talking to you again because you're, you're not around anymore. Because when he says, I put you down where you belong, but I'm never talking to you again. So I don't know. I was just, uh, I was wondering. I don't know the story, but uh, I always, always assumed it was just someone he had uh, had enough of and was, uh, uh, he would decided I, I had a boss that I worked for and I used to, you know, he used to do stupid shit and I said he would, he would say, what do you think? And I said, I, I only have so many breaths in a lifetime. I'm not going to waste any more of them telling you what, you know, what to do because you're just going to ignore me. So, yeah, same shit. I, I, I'm on the same page. I think it's I think while that is a good, interesting way, it's like alternate way to look at it. I think it is about just not like kind of cutting off a connection with somebody and i think in the story or the concept of the album and the arc of the direction it takes like it's right after broken home broken heart and right before chartered trips which right. is about starting your journey so i think it's like it's him talking to his parents maybe right his dad yeah yeah yeah, yeah that sounds of. about right yep probably uh, probably probably more right uh and uh like they didn't write these songs together so i think it's like these guys you know especially you know grant and uh bob basically like here's some songs and how do we make this work as a concept and and so who knows what he really wrote it about but it seems like that's where they kind of fit it into the record exactly Uh, and that's kind of what i think too is like these songs you know were written and then it was like well we can turn this into a we can make this into a story uh yeah um which is which they really did great. I mean, it really does have a whole arc through the record. I mean, yeah, it, the sequencing it, is great it, on this. It works. Uh, yeah. So we don't. We're, you could play a little bit under it, but the fourth song, uh, "Charter Trips," is another great Bob song. And like you said, it, it's about him leaving, about the the um, the kid in the story finally leaving home and going on, uh, uh, you know, just leaving and. Yeah. Uh, and then life outside the home isn't going to be that great either, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then we get the instrumental, one of the instrumentals. There's a bunch of instrumentals. Uh, this is Dreams Reoccurring and psychedelic, very psychedelic sounding uh, backwards. Is like the whole thing backwards or just like partially some of it's backwards? I think it's just all backwards and uh, it's gonna appear again later on the album forwards yeah Yeah. oh okay okay so it is basically the other one right it's like a short version uh backwards right 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 right. um and then you get their hardcore roots showing some of these songs like the next one indecision time is more definitely more um hardcore and also you hear barry in this one you hear like uh, a greg ginn type uh, guitar yeah, yeah, sure. was, you know there was yeah. a, you know i'm sure there's a reason that they were the first non-la band first non-west coast band to get signed to sst was because you know they they had heard black flag and they were had absorbed some of that and greg was uh you know he was appreciative of that uh head nod right um, yeah, so that's this is indecision time is when he's realizing life uh it's not much easier on the outside um uh, and he looks to spirituality. Oh, right, right. right. And, and that's the next one, Harry Krueger, which is weird. It's a weird song to have on there 
But I have to, I, I got to, I have to think maybe on tour or something they had a run-in yeah, um, with uh, Harry Krishna. Harry Krishna's used to set up in college towns, and there was one in there was one at FSU in Tallahassee, and they would come out um, like to we had like a day where there would people would sell their wares and stuff on the college green, and the Krishnas would come out there and they would hand out muffins and stuff, and they you know they would try to give you literature and. And and uh, preach to you and get you involved, and so you could start, you know, dealing heroin for them and stuff, which is sounds uh, like hyperbole, but that was a thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they definitely had some firsthand experience with Krishna's, probably not positive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so now we, and now we get to side two, and we get the first song. It's more just life is shitty on the outside. Uh, beyond the, uh, you got the more frantic, fierce drawing yeah. from Grant and Bob's screaming of the chorus, and then you get the song you guys were talking about. This next one, which yeah, is this Friday. is the most. This is the one Killer. when you get to this song on the record. This is where it's a little it's 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 a little terrifying because he's screaming so intensely. Yeah, this song is really you get there like you, everything else up to now you're like okay this is you know this is one thing and then when you get to pride it's it's actually sort of it sort of switches to something else. Let's do it. Let's listen to some pride. Yeah. <laughs> no good. It took me a lot of a long time to actually make the connection with what they were um, like, like what had happened, what happens in the record there, sonically. And I realized um, that it's actually they, they they must have listened to um, some, you know, the English band Discharge. There's an album called um, Hear Nothing, See Nothing, Say Nothing that is um, very much pride, very much references the way that record sounds um and so their sort of discharge um damage is coming out there uh even though discharge is a little more controlled there's uh but it's still in that same the sound is the same and the vibe is the same 
Ryan, I don't know if you've ever heard that record. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never made that connection, but I completely see that now when you point that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I kept thinking Motorhead. And then I was like, mm, it's not exactly okay. Motorhead. It's actually. Not exactly. Right, right. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah. But but the thing is, it's something like, Ryan, you know, as a musician, you could play with this much conviction, but something like this could easily just be noise and just be over the top and not controlled. There's something that was the, the special sauce they had was to play this frantic hardcore, but to somehow make it beautiful intense but also beautiful you know and and somehow they still uh, there's there's some con- control to it you know there's just something that, that yeah. uh sets it apart it's it's the substance behind it you know i mean it's just like anybody yeah. could make like go blah, 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 like really fast and it would be, yeah yeah right but, <laughs> but but i mean like wow do you feel what he's going through i mean like the the what he's singing about right there, he's backed into a corner by somebody because he was had his pride was showing through and he put himself in a situation, yeah, whatever yeah. it's right. Whatever it is, you don't know, but you can you can you I think everybody can relate to that. You know, it's yeah. like it's when you know you're you're backed in the corner, you're humiliated, you did something and like you were trying to be cool or you're something and you're you're like called out on it and he's just uh humiliated. Humiliated. Right. You just—he's mad at himself. He's mad at like the person that backed him into the corner and called him out in front of everybody. And he's probably mad at his past. Everything you know that happened that led him to be where he's at. He's just—he's at that kind of lost stage where he's just about to lose it. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like this is this is uh, one of the more autobiographical ones. Uh, Ryan, did, did you ever read his book, Bob Mould's uh, autobiography? I did. It was like I, I read it when it came out. See a little light. You talked about. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah I did read it and uh, brutal, been- right? It is brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, he's. He, I I appreciate the fact that he was so honest in it, but it it's a hard read. And I don't know if at this point if he was really out out. I, I don't think so at this point. I mean, it was no. it was. Oh no, I don't think so. I don't think so. right. No, I don't think so at all. Right. But then, because uh, I, I remember over the years, eventually you'd hear rumors. Oh, you know. And then uh, the big joke was, wait, you mean the the one guy with the big mustache is not the is not the yeah. one that's gay? Right. He's straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. All right, so then, uh, so then he, uh, the next song, I'll never forget you. He opens up to someone, but uh, that doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's got some brutal lyrics in it too. Never cared about me, only wanted to be your friend. Now I know that it's got to end. Uh, yeah, spill my guts, you just threw them away. So yeah, this uh, this kid is this kid is not having an easy time. Yeah, and then the uh, biggest lie. Uh, do you think this this the biggest lie reminded me of like some band like maybe a band that's big locally like coming home from their tour and then they all have to go back to their job? Oh, I didn't. Oh, I don't think so. I think if you look at their, I think it's somebody who's gay on the weekend and goes back goes back to their oh goes back to their straight life I didn't get during the week. I didn't get that. Yeah, that that, that, that fits just, too, that right? My, that was my guess. You know, that was. What, what do you that, think, Ryan? You know what? I always assumed like I was the same way. I thought it was about. Literally, like, kind of in the arc of the story, like the band that goes back deflated, and there's like, or you know, like you kind of living this 
fantasy, but no, you're totally, that makes so it, much It fits. Back to your girlfriend, back to your hometown, the biggest lie. Yeah, wow. Right. Wow, that's uh, deep. Or, or, you know, gay on tour and straight when you get home or whatever. There was there, there definitely was that tension there um, with them and probably not wanting, you know, being concerned about how it would affect their, uh, um, you know, their chances. Right. Yeah, there were there were definite. Uh, I, I probably got to stop saying what I'm about to say. I'm just going to say that knowing the people, some of these people, like there were things going on that there was some some tension within the band as far as what was actually occurring and uh, right. that actually makes a lot of sense now that I, I, I yeah, just I got, yeah I, I got a I got a story does. I got a story from the New Day Rising tour, you know that that circulated around our scene after they came through, and I'll just you know it was it was sorted but you know it was it's a good well it, it was it was what was going on so that's a good segue into our next song let's listen to a little bit of what's going on yeah. Grant, uh, Grant Hart was so great at just writing these simple yet great songs, you know, that just would have these these hooks in them. Yeah. He was so good at that. He also, uh, there's also a lot of layered guitars and dissonance in that one. A lot of, a lot of uh, um, maybe some piano in there that's being banged on, and but it all sort of, it's all sort of mashed together into this one sort of soup. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I was talking when I should have been listening. Didn't hear a word anyone said. Uh, we've all been guilty of that, right? Yeah. Me and Barry are guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> it, these are, um, there's a there's a track on um, Everything Falls Apart that I keep going back to. Blah blah blah. I can see oh, yeah. all, I, I can see your lips move, but all I hear is blah blah blah. And you know that's Bob saying to other people, you know, you're just you're just running off of the mouth. You're just full of shit. But this is turned inward, you know, this is turned the opposite direction. 
I'm, you know, I'm full of shit. Right, 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 right. Um, and now we get the rare for this, the rare uh, heart moved uh, together song, Masochism. And I'm glad you did this one because it's, it, it's a cool song. It, it's about, uh, I guess, the Runaways starting to get into some weird shit. But it's got this bridge, like the, the musical bridge in this one is really yeah. like... It's like the Beach Boys show up in the middle of the... Yes! <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so unexpected for this record, you know, for that to come in. So let's listen yeah. to a little bit of Masochism World. So, so I'm going to call it, it's not the Beach Boys. I mean, it, it is, but it's secondhand. It's Ramones. It's Ramones, exactly. Yes, you're there. exactly right, this Mary. This is there. This is sort of, you know. The, they stopped, they them do, doing they the Beach do Boys. songs like this much after this record, did they? Where it's more just like, uh, like straight up. It's almost like a straight up punk, you know, metal song. Um that with quarterly and the way it sounds, there's less ringing. It's just Bob playing some power chords, you know, and then you know the tell during the bridge where the, <clears throat> you know, Dee Dee and <laughs> Dee yeah, singing the it. background vocals. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right, though. That's yeah. it. And the Ramones stole it from the Beach Boys, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I, but yeah, you're right, though. It is. It's it's obviously like the the. It's way more. Uh, 
punk and raw than than that. So yeah, it's 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 coming from a Ramones place for sure. I, I think so. Yeah, I think the Ramones so, yeah. doing the Beach Boys, uh, and now we get a um, uh, another Grand Heart Opus. Um, another, like I said, just simple catchy really good songs he was so good at this and you know um ryan barry uh because i don't know if barry would tell you but his last band mr entertainment and, and the pookie smackers their last record they had they had a song that uh steve toth wrote everybody's all bob mold but i'm so oh, grand right right that's right <laughs> yes. it's a great song and it's a great sentiment uh so let's listen to standing by the sea I think there's a, um, and I haven't mentioned this band in a while. Um, the the it's a, the bass line. He's playing a flatted fifth, and the, and it's in a six like a six eight tempo. And it sounds a lot like there's an old King Crimson song called the Talking Drum, which has the same kind of vibe. And I'm, it, it's it's close enough that I'm I'm guessing that somebody had heard that and and liked it enough to sort of learn that groove and then it of course in between that it's you know a, a grant hart song but then there's that um ba 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 and if you just picture you know robert fripp soloing over that it's pretty much the talking drum yeah nice so there's ryan there's like so much to take in on this record as i i could see as a teenager, that, you know, the, the, that's the thing. I was like old. Me and Barry were a little older when we got it. But this, I could see this becoming like everything for a teenager, right? Because you got everything here. You got, got this. It's got like the, like how you guys mentioned earlier that they recorded it fast and mostly one take. But then there are still overdubs. And, and yeah. the, that yeah. really affected the way I thought about production on a record. Like I always thought there was this balance that you need of of like kind of this chaos like i mean on some of the experimental tunes on this record there's you know they're just jamming and doing crazy stuff and then right. they're re well thought out lyrics and really good melodies um right and like interesting overdubs but then there's also this uh urgency to the way they recorded it that captures 
the the emotions and the um, kind of general vibes that they're trying to go for. Yeah. And if they like take fifty, it's like they may not have captured yeah, no, it. This, I, they're, they're, it's, yeah. This, I think that's also a problem that becomes more of a problem later on as they have more money and more time. Probably, yeah. It's you know the immediacy sort of goes you know out the window. And there's mm-hmm. an old, <laughs> there's an old Sunny Boy Williamson. Go, man, go. Hey, you better cut it while some, you better cut it now because if you let it cool, goddamn it, it won't be worth a damn. Track where there's go, actually a, him talking at the beginning, talking to one of the Chess Brothers, whoever's at the in the in the in the booth recording him, and he says. You better get it while it's hot, because if you, you don't get it while it's hot and let it cool, it's not going to be worth a damn. And that's yeah. it, that's this, that's <laughs> what happens, basically. Sonny Boy knew. He knew. Do it now. <laughs> Do it now. Get it while it's hot. Uh, all right, so now we now we get to side three and another uh, Heart Mode uh, co-write. Uh, let's listen to Somewhere. This is not really hardcore anymore, but you could, but it, you could hear them expanding, you know, expanding yeah, yeah. themselves. Yeah. It's really great because it's not like they're trying to be something they're not. It's not like they're selling out or anything. It's just no. they're just they're just going beyond that. You well, know? I think that's one. Of, I think somewhere is one of the best songs they ever wrote. I think that it's um, you know it's got some of the greatest observations and lines in it of a Husker song, you know, especially somewhere satisfaction has no name. It just means that the word dissatisfaction has no meaning. Everybody's, you know, you're just, you know, you're, you're glad to be there. The, you know, everybody, you're happy. You're all, you know, the, the end of happiness comes when you start thinking about whether you're happy or not. That's always, that means, you know, that's basically the end of it. So, um, if you're somewhere that's, uh, that doesn't happen. You never think of it. You're 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 in the good place. Damn it, Barry! You're right. I just started thinking about it, and now I'm getting unhappy. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Just information. 
Yeah. <laughs> do with it what you want. Uh, yeah, beautiful song, and and his playing his guitars in there, and they throw in some, uh, like you were saying, Ryan, they just throw in these little studio things. There's some backwards uh, uh, guitars in there. Yeah. And it just, yeah, just raises everything uh, to a new level, to a different level, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, now we get the little interlude. They have a couple of piano interludes, and this one, One Step at a Time, is uh, the little piano interlude that leads, and then it leads into, uh, this is one of my favorite Grand Hart songs. It's just so, uh, yeah, it, it's a yeah, beauty. This, this is 100%. This is, I don't even think of this as like a Husker Du song. I mean, it's on this record. But it's such a Grant Hart song that it it sort of is the first one where you go, well, that's just that's just him. That's purely and, Grant. Oh yeah, and and Ryan, man, how thrilling! You so at this obviously you became you like worship these guys. This was like your life, and then you ended up like playing with him and stuff. That that must have been yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah, I mean, like I remember my high school band was playing the Seventh Street Entry, which is part of uh, First Avenue. It's like the venue that. Husker du locally was known to, you know, that was like kind of their home base. And uh, yeah, I mean, like that was like the first time I really hung out with him. He watched my high school band play and he was like, oh, hey, you know, and oh, wow. it's like, let's, he bought one of our cassettes or CDs or whatever we had at the time. And, and then we just kind of like hit it off and uh, started playing together. And I ended up doing a lot of over the years, different things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I in my Zen Arcade CD, I've got when he gave me his phone number, I've got that like in the Wow. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, from everything I've heard, he was a really sweet, uh, troubled, a little troubled guy, but a really sweet guy. That's he everything. was, uh, you know, he really was a good guy. I mean, he had, he was very troubled and it depends on when you, you know, interacted with him in the scope of, of, of any troubles, but but at the heart of it, did he had a heart of gold, and he was a very, very uh, giving person and uh, super kind. Yeah, and it comes through in his songs, and this is a very sad song. Let's listen to Pink Turns yeah. to Blue. This is a tale as uh, as old as time, right? 
Well, yeah. you know, it's the first mention of heroin on a Husker Du record that I know of. And so, of course, that would play a significant role moving forward. I don't know at this point. Um, but, of course, it did affect the band. Um, it affected Grant, definitely, uh, um, and his career and his life. So that one's, that's why, it, I guess, it, in retrospect, it seems uh, doubly poignant um, to be discussing it. Whether he yeah. was in doing it or not, but he certainly <laughs> he certainly understood Knew the effects. Understood it, yeah, right. No more rope and too much dope. She's lying on the bed. Angels pacing gently, placing roses round her head. I was thinking of this. It reminded me, Barry, when we did... Um, and this may be uh, about a person. This may be about somebody. I, I think mean, so. And, and you know what I was thinking of? Iggy Pop when we did Lust for Life, uh, right. a turn, uh, turn, a turn blue, blue the, the song, yeah, same thing. Yeah, we haven't done Street Hassle yet. Where, uh, <laughs> right. The heroin uh, trilogy. Just grab um, your old lady by the legs and drag her out in the street. Lou's got a little more pragmatic view of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. No angels. No sugar coating. No. Lou doesn't sugar coat it. Um, all right, so newest industry is more. Future Darkness from Bob. It's of course it's extremely bleak. Yeah. Um, and then we get another piano interlude. Uh, Monday will never be the same. Which is, yeah. you know, I, I was noticing in the piano interludes that both Bob and Grant are credited with playing. So I guess they both kind of played on these things. Yeah, I kind of remember hearing a story about that. Like maybe was it like one of them was playing the bottom part, ah. you know, with the birds and others. But but this song has another weird story to it. Like, did you guys notice how on Monday will never be the same when you listen through it? It's like it starts creeping up higher and higher. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Um, it's well. Here's the thing. Like, I I always notice that when I like the, when from when I listen to the record, I was like, that's so weird. Like when you when they hold a note, you'd be like, it goes. Mm. Like up, just like right. How is that piano getting higher? And I asked Grant about it like a long time ago, and he said that what they did is the song is like in G flat, right? And then the song's in the key of G, and so they thought that <laughs> to end like a chord on G flat and have the next song start. Oh, in G. oh, like ah. drums before the next song, so. It, to me, this is hilariously. They slowly brought it up so it would I mean, sing like, better into the next. They decided song. To, instead of like changing the key of the song, which would just be like moving up a half step, or even just speeding up the tape to like right. go right. The G. They just like started it in the original key, and throughout the song, slowly sped the tape up to be a half step higher. Oh. So the, the E. That wow, that's great. I never, I guess, when you think about it, I thought it was just like them being psychedelic again, you know, yeah, playing around it, with it. But yeah, it that was makes a sense. mathematical thing. It was like, wait, we can't go right into that score <laughs> that's a half step up from that. That's you know? great. Yeah. Uh, all right. And it does seg into this uh, really Song beautiful. Yes. Yes. And a very pretty one of his, uh, it's got his ringing guitars and yeah. some of his best singing on the record, I think, yeah. on this next one. Yeah. This is, uh, this is. My favorite Bob Mould song of all time is going to be this one right here. Oh, nice. All right, let's just do whatever.
Understand why their son he turned out wrong. Man, that, that, that hits close to home right there. Yeah. Yeah, right. And he's kind of and but he's being empathetic, which is he doesn't do a lot, but no. he, where he says, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. Uh, but what don't did you worry. expect? Uh, yeah. But he's telling he's him not to worry. He's briefly empathetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, you uh, know, it then it's it's you know, what the, you know you know, it's like, it's like, chem, you know, it's like chemistry. Like you poured these two things together. What did you expect was going to happen? You know, did you think it was going to be, I was going right. to go to, you know, it's going to go to pharmacy school. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ryan, did, I forget, did the original, did, did the record have lyrics with the lyrics with the record? I can't even remember. I'm trying to remember. I think they were. Yeah, I, I, th- like- I think they were. I, I remember I reading lyrics, so... Yeah, I feel like they were handwritten lyrics. Maybe, yeah. Like, okay, possibly, yeah. yeah. And, uh, this was before the internet, so they're, if, if we all remember reading I them, remember then they probably reading did. Them, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, how was your relationship with your parents, Ryan? Was it... Uh, how, I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's, 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 it's great now. And oh, like, good. It's <laughs> like, you know, you go through your phases right i mean so i could relate to this for sure um you know i mean yeah 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 but he also i think could um yeah i mean i definitely remember relating to these lyrics and that last chorus that we didn't get to you know after the bridge where he goes up an octave and just yells it out that was like my favorite part i mean i I was gonna just play a little clips of the songs but that's no, like, I'll, I'll play it underneath that, while we're chatting. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, during it's the like edit. the cathartic part of the most cathartic part of the song. Yeah. yeah. This is def- this is song also is whatever's is the most like harmonically complex thing that they, yeah. m- maybe that they ever did. It shifts around more and Bob does more sort of, uh, you know, inversions and things um, with the ringing strings than, than he tended to do later on. It's a very, it's a complex, it's kind of a hard song to play. Um, so that's what makes it even well, doubly impressive. Lot, I was going to ask you guys that. Have you noticed? Because I'm sure we've all played in bands, and over times we've tried to cover. Who's going to do songs can be can be uh, deceptively hard uh, to cover, right? Because they're uh, they're trickier than they appear. They are. Like, I think they are. Um, right. They're, they're the the so 
annually I'm part of this tribute to the replacements, which their music <laughs> is actually really challenging compared to what she, you know, it's like. It's is it really? Wow, that's surprising. Play music, but so in relative comparison, who's to do is like is is makes more sense, you know? Like you like you can go like, oh yeah, here's the verse, here's the chorus, here's this. Like with with uh, the mats, it's like there'll be a section that happens once, and then like half of a verse, and then a part that's like a thing that happens again once. And oh it's right, linear. right, You're okay. linear. You just have to yeah, learn. You just stuff. have it's to like, learn whoa. the the whole thing. You can't yeah. just learn parts. You got to learn the whole structure. Yeah, yeah. It's like especially the earlier stuff that they had. It was just like as I think they as like Paul Westberg developed as a songwriter I think he started to become more structured in a way that was easier to learn uh, but it was all great though but you're right though who's it, it, it's still deceptively well it's yeah, because there's they're very distinctive players uh, so you got you got I was listening to Grant's drumming and I'm like okay he he plays kind of like Keith Moon but more but more um Sort of like a Charlie yeah, Watts, of, like a cross between Charlie oh, Watts. I think and of him Keith as like Moon. Between Keith Moon and and John Mayer of the Buzzcocks. There's some of that propul- oh, right, some of right. that propulsive yes, thing yes. in there, yeah. where it's like yeah, explosively yeah. propulsive. But there's the busyness of like a Keith Moon, and so For sure. and and then you know Bob's guitar playing and they're singing. Everything about it, they're very distinctive. And so if you try and do a cover, it may just end up sounding stupid. You know, it's very yeah. difficult. <laughs> It is uh, celebrated summer. Try playing celebrated summertime. Right, it's sure. Very yeah. hard. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> right. All right. So this next one, I gotta ask you. This next one, it's a little song. It's just it doesn't have many lyrics. The Tooth Fairy and the Princess. But I read. I never got this. But people online said this song says that it was all a dream. Basically, he's just been laying in his bed the whole time, and this is a dream. Uh, 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 did you did you guys know that? Did you guys get that from this? Because I'm going to be honest, nah, that I did not I mean, get that. I, I, look, after the fact, you can concoct all kinds of stories about right. what it was about. I mean, about it makes what sense because he's saying, "Don't give up, don't let on." It, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. your bed late at night, yeah. right? I don't know. So some said, "Oh, it was all a dream," but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that they. I think that the you know we know too much. And that the longer time goes on, the more you sort of more layers of of stuff get added on top of there. And yeah, the people, you know, one of the people yeah, is, yeah. is not around anymore. And, you know, there's not, you know, just enjoy the record and don't worry too much about the backstory. <laughs> well, that's kind of the opposite of our show, Barry. <laughs> well, no, we talk about things, but, you know. We the, enjoy the, the record the, and then we dig into it well, and speculate yeah, about that. You know, I think right, the, I, I think the, I think like I said, I think the songs were composed, and then it seemed like, oh, I bet we could make a story out of this. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, right, right, right. And then over right, time, well, over time, uh, then the, oh well, what's the story? Well, the story grows after the record's been out for years, and it's like, oh yeah, well, I remember we were, you know, that was about it was a dream. It's like, yeah, you never said right. that before. Now, okay, good. I'm I'm glad actually that you guys are saying that because I thought, oh, well, am I just an idiot for never getting that? But okay, no, so that's maybe. I, I thought it was just like I thought it was like the moment of desperation where you're like don't give up yeah. like he's like don't don't like commit suicide don't right. like it right now like uh, it's okay okay heard the guys like almost made it you know through the album so right <laughs> yes all right so we're at we're at side double album don't do don't end it now um, <laughs> right and then we get so now we're on side four we're on the last two songs now i'm i got something for you guys right here on this next song this is the grand Hart song 
another great Grand Heart banger. As a Kiss fan, uh, before I ever heard Who's Do, I always thought Grand Heart would sound like Paul Stanley. Listen to the verses yeah. in this song and picture yeah. Paul Stanley singing it. Let's yeah. listen to the verses. Turn on the news. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, sort of Grant's more sort of hippie outlook uh, comes through in that one as well. Right. The concern yeah. for, ba- you know, a baby's born, another one dies, just sort of a more world. Bob's songs tend to be more about, you know, interpersonal tension where Grant has a broader view of. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. For world. sure. Yeah. Yep, and also Bob's lead in this one, Ace really a little bit, yeah, a little yeah, Ace. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're dead, dead on. I don't know whether they set out to make a Kiss song, but well, it's, the, it's in there. And the, the, well, the, the, the replacements that, were huge fans, so the they fact probably that were. That too. Intro has got those radios, just like the intro to Detroit Rock City does. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very, very much a tell. I think, very much a tell. Ryan, are you familiar with the intro to Detroit Rock City? I am. Yeah, where he's, you know. Ryan's luckily, Ryan's lucky. He was too young probably to really get into yeah. Kiss like we were. I never was a big Kiss fan. Uh, not that I like There's nothing wrong with that. Them. No. I get like that, you know, there's like an image thing. and Yeah, music. yeah. You had to be a certain age. Yeah. yeah right, right, right. Here's like, a little bit of, here's I, a little, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have friends that were big Kiss fans. I get, I understand the appeal. So I just didn't. It just, yeah, maybe it was like yeah. they were already unmasked when I like. Exactly, Ooh. yeah. So yeah, who who gave a shit? <laughs> like, it. Well, here's a little a little bit of Kiss trivia. Um, Detroit Rock City originally had none of the car wreck, teenage death trappings. It was just a song about partying in Detroit. So there's a demo version of it that has none of that like 
uh, you know, getting killed in the car wreck, and and right, you know, right. It's just like a typical Kiss party song. And probably Bob, <laughs> yeah. Bob, Bob Ezra and the producer was probably like, uh, "We need to, we need to jack this up a little yeah, bit." First let's of all, jazz it up a little. let's get a couple of other guitar players in here, Ace and you know, and, and uh, Paul. You guys can go home, and then we're going to make a real song out of this. Yeah. All right, so now we get the final. This is finishes out the uh, the record with a 14 minute song, which. I never feel like this is just uh, instrumental filler that they threw on. I love this. It's not side two uh, of Da Capo by Love. Right, exactly. It's yeah. just uh, it's just so ferocious sounding and so and it's got so much like it's just it's a great ending for the record, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, get, really you, have, to, you have to get you have to you have to get out of the story somehow. So you have yes. to you have to finish the story. And let's finish it with Reoccurring Dreams. So much. So, uh, you guys know that they recorded eight miles. Their cover yeah. of Eight Miles High at the same yeah. session, it, and you could hear yeah, that. Yeah. You could hear his. This sound is basically there, yeah. this is basically the middle section of Eight Miles High. You know, as rendered by Husker du instead of you know Roger McGuinn and the Birds. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, actually, I just, just ever reading about that, I just sort of made that connection. Uh, when I was listening to it just now, I was like, oh, yeah, this is because they did eight miles. I didn't realize they recorded it at the same session. And you can hear where they're either they're warming up for eight miles high or they've recorded this right after they did eight miles high. Or they did it in the middle of eight miles high and it got chopped out and edited in later as this track. You know, it's. um, uh, Yeah. And eight miles high, the birds, of course, uh, Roger McGuinn was doing. um he was doing John Coltrane. He was imitating John Coltrane, playing on uh, 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 my favorite things. Uh, uh, so it goes, it goes, it goes way back. And we've got to give Greg. We should give Greg. We hardly oh, mentioned yeah. poor Greg poor Norton Greg, at all. Give man. him some props for for being able to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> he's keeping up. <laughs> yeah. Does he right. still does he still live in uh, the Twin Cities? 
Yeah, uh, he lives, well, he's been in, I think it's Red Wing forever. Like, that's like where he moved a long, long time ago. But he um, had been playing with a band around here called Porcupine. Okay. Um, friends of, of mine and like, I, th- I, yeah, Greg would be out and about all the time. So I used to see, before COVID hit, like, I'd see Greg, I feel like, couple times a month at least you know just wow um oh, nice. so, yeah yeah he's great i mean he's got he's i would I, I always try to keep track of what he's up to and i think he's been he got in like the wine business yeah he's a chef yeah, yeah. like all he's oh got, that's right i saw that i saw yeah that. yeah so he's, he's a chef like, i mean i think as soon as husker do broke i think that he became a chef pretty much right after that you know yeah, it's been for a long right, time right. but then i saw the wine thing later on too yeah i think he's doing that now and uh Oh, good but he's him. still playing music and and uh, yeah, cool. Still got cool that mu- he's still got that mustache. He still has the mustache. <laughs> he looks great. Like he has an. Oh, eight. good. Hey, like he is. He's he's doing great. Oh, did that's good. That's got nice a, to hear. Did you say I missed a part? Did you say he's got a toupee? No, no, <laughs> no he did not. <laughs> I didn't say he's got. No, he definitely does not have a toupee. He wow, looks cool. I think I said. I, I think you heard me you say. You heard he it here from Ryan. Great. Greg has a toupee, everybody. <laughs> Shocking revelation on that record. Yeah, well, it's okay. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, this was great, though. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this record. Yeah. And obviously, you were a, a good guy to do it because you were right there in the thick of everything. So yeah. uh, that's awesome. Um, so what's going on? What's going on with you? Uh, what, do, what do you got going on uh, now? Well, let's see. Um, you know, at this stage, a lot of studio time and, you know, obviously without shows, you know, um, in the last year, um, so Solasline put out an al- album called Hurry Up and Wait, and then we put out an acoustic EP called Born Free. Dave and I were doing a bunch of online acoustic performances. We've done a few streams. I saw we, that. I saw that. That's cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. And then now we're working on a new record, so um, we're working hard on that. And... Then Ryan and Pony released the album Moshi Moshi. That was kind of our debut record. Mel's Max released a live record. That was something recorded prior to the shutdown and everything. Um, is, is this stuff, um, and is the stuff you mentioned, is it on Bandcamp? Or is it working the people by that? You can get, yeah, you can get um, Ryan and Pony Moshi Moshi's on Bandcamp. You can get it, uh, it's on Spotify. You can Order it on clear blue vinyl straight up from Pravda Records. That's okay. the label out of Chicago that put it out. Um, hurry up and wait. I think you can get from solasylum.com or um, anywhere. You know, you can, yeah, I, anywhere you can get it, music these days. And then, uh, and uh, same with the, the Mel's Max record, I think is on, it's on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music and all that. So, all right, uh, cool. Right. Yes, yeah, so you know, and then working on, I'm starting to get ready to release a solo record where, you know, because we hit quarantine and I had this, Yeah. we, we came home up from a tour and I had my calendar cleared for a couple of weeks. So I started recording a bunch of songs about, and now it's been about a year ago, but I started recording <laughs> right. and everything. And, and uh, so I'm going to release that. Finally, I'm going to like finish the songs I had started and, you know, put the missing uh vocals on them and then release that so that's coming out soon and uh, right, cool. we're, 
Yeah, just kind of always up to something, you know. You've been keeping busy. That's good to yeah. hear. That's yeah. good to hear. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, we really we appreciate having you on. And then uh, now you know the difference between Eastern Standard Time and uh, and wherever time zone you're on. But Central. that's all right. Don't worry about it. Central it just meant time. it just mentioned it, it just meant me and Barry uh, drank more before we did it. Okay. Actually, you know, <laughs> we I only I only had one one drink for this entire show, so I nursed it, and it was probably good. Oh, idea. okay. Nah, I, I had two, but I, I think I held it together barely. Yeah. All right. So yeah. next week, uh, we what are we doing, Barry? We doing the uh, Pogues, I believe. Uh, uh, the Pogues, yeah. rum, sodomy, and the lash. Yep, sure. We got uh, with um, with writer uh, Dan Sweeney, a journalist uh, Dan Sweeney. Yep, a former former alcoholic, uh, as far as I remember, but I think he's probably not anymore. Well, I guess once you're an alcoholic, you're always one, though, right? So yeah. we're not going to bring that up during the show. <laughs> Sorry, right. everyone knows. Everyone down here knows. Uh, well, you Ryan, can talk about thanks. the pogues and alcohol, but you're going to talk about the guest and be like, you know, hey. I think that's why. Alcohol. I think that's why he picked the record. I think that's why. Oh, he picked it. But we'll see. Uh, so, we'll uh, talk okay, about. Okay, so we'll let him. We'll let him broach that subject. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, Ryan, thanks again. Don't forget, everyone. Uh, you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron of the show. We would really appreciate it. Um, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to share us on all your social media. Uh, Ryan, thanks again. Uh, we are that record got me at hi. What are we, Barry? <laughs> I only drank one drink. So. I did have I did have two drinks. Ryan, thanks again. This was great. We'll see you guys yeah. next week. All right, we're out. <laughs>